Hey everyone, the It's All Journalism team wanted to remind you that we have an email newsletter where you can get all the latest news about our podcast. Go to our website, itsalljournalism.com, and follow the link to subscribe. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. I'm really glad to see the country is starting to appreciate value that educators bring to the table because communities can't thrive without us and, and we can't thrive without creating great students who are going to go out and be leaders in the community. Journalism has changed significantly in the last 20 years, and so has journalism education. Who will be the next generation of reporters and editors? They're in school right now. They're in high schools right now. What valuable lessons are they learning? I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Dr. Marco Clark is the founder and CEO of the Richard Wright Public Charter School for Journalism and Media Arts in Washington, D.C. As the name suggests, the school's focus is on journalism and media as well as a creative and performing arts. Welcome to It's All Journalism, Marco. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Well, great. So to, so to start off with, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, how did you get involved in journalism and, you know, what led to the creation of the uh, Richard Wright Public Charter School? Well, I sort of looked at education from the lens of my own eyes as a young person growing up and going through a public school education and realizing some of the challenges that were happening in public schools and how the student voice was not part of the overall aspect of it. And doing that, I was a young person that had a lot of energy and thirst for learning, but I was given a label at 11 years old that was misdiagnosed by an educator who did not take the time to really ask the questions. And so for me, what I really wanted to do was to figure out how to change that trajectory that led me on a negative slate which in turn caused me to graduate from high school five years later instead of four years, scoring a 480 on the SAT and graduating with a 1.6 grade average. I was able to reach all the way to college before we recognized that I had a challenge with reading comprehension. And part of that was that I lived out the label that was given to me at 11 years old around the ability to comprehend appropriately based on a misdiagnosis of an assessment. And so with that, that started my trajectory and journey on becoming an educator and how could I change the way education was viewed from the standpoint of the student. And so I moved on through college and received my degree and became a teacher. And within that uh, teaching realm, I wanted to ensure that my lessons were structured around what kids needed and uh, how we were able to move them from where they were and take them to where we needed them to go. In doing that, I came up the ranks as a teacher Uh, dean, assistant principal, principal, and I recognized that many of our kids were being utilized as pawns with not very good teaching, some poor leadership, and I decided that I was in in a larger school district with a lot of bureaucracy that was preventing me from moving kids along the way that I really envisioned them to be. And so I heard about this awesome thing of charter schools where we would have our students would have a voice and they would have the ability to move along with the way that we could set a curriculum that could work along with kids and their abilities. And I decided to open up a school in the toughest wards in the district, some of the, the poorest areas in wards seven and eight, 
the lower socioeconomic backgrounds, recognizing that students would have an issue with reading and writing, typically three to five grade levels behind, and reading, writing, and math. And so I figured that if we came up with a, a thematic base that would say we could focus on journalism, which in turn our hope would be is that if you improve their reading skills, then their writing would improve. And if you improve their reading and writing skills, then they would develop a voice which they could go back into the community and begin to uplift a person, one person at a time. And then we offered the, the journalism, the media arts portion of it so that we can add 21st century technology that would allow students to explore all sorts of learning and exemplify the humanities portion and those holistic things that's needed to make students well, uh, great learners and great masteries of learning and able to move forward. And so the name Richard Wright evolved from the premise of the mission. Richard Wright was a great writer and an advocate for his community. And so we put that together and made it a well-rounded piece. So now you have Richard Wright Public Charter Schools for Journalism and Media Arts that would encompass the name of a person who fought for the exact same thing that I did. That's an amazing story. Just to, to give people who are not familiar with uh, DC schools, could you just describe what a charter school is and, and how it's different than a, a regular public school? You know, the awesome thing about charter schools is that, and I like to kill the misnomer from the beginning, is that charter schools are public schools. They are the exact same. We serve the exact same children. We don't choose the children that come to us. They choose us. And so the difference between the traditional public school model is that typically you have a zone comprehensive high school. You live in a zip code, you go to a certain high school. And then you have a few high schools that kids can apply to. And typically those are the ones that have requirements. The great thing about charter schools is that there is no requirement. So if I have a passion for journalism and media arts and I live in the District of Columbia, I can apply to that school. And as long as there's a seat available, has nothing to do with my grades, has nothing to do with uh, how tall I am or whether or not I have special needs. If I have a desire and I get my application in in time, and there is, is a seat for me, I can be accepted, which is a great thing because then you can begin to move the juices. One of the other things, the difference, and we like to say this, is that in charter schools, we serve, in my opinion, a more diverse population because we don't have a certain sect of individuals. We have kids from all over the city because they come by choice. And so whether they are bright, broken, or behavior issues, we serve them and we do it well. The other thing with charter schools in the district is that charter schools exchange more accountability for more autonomy. So we have autonomy to, to change the curriculum, to move the curriculum, but we do that with a sense of knowing that we have more accountability in everything we do. Charter schools with that more accountability, we have a shorter time to make sure that we are achieving our goals or else they close our doors. And so the traditional public schools can keep a failing school or a failing situation in place, no matter how many years that goes on, and they will not close those doors. But the final thing is that we operate with more accountability in exchange for autonomy, but we get less funds to do the same work with more accountability. 
it sounds like a, a wonderful opportunity. I know, you know, in a lot of places they have magnet schools and quite often what they're doing is they may attract students who tend to test higher. And so the end result is that you, you sometimes you're pulling away more gifted learners from a school, not having them there, you know, can be problematic for the students who are left behind. You know, they don't have exposure to other students in different ways of learning. So, well, first of all, before I get much further, the, the grades that your school covers? We have a five-year high school model. So we were very astute in doing that by starting with eighth grade. So we have eighth through 12th grade is a high school model. And we came up with that because I had been a high school principal and I saw kids coming in ninth grade, really not understanding credits, not understanding a pathway to college. And so I figured if we could start in eighth grade, you would have a year to kind of understand that we would give you a, a schedule that mirrors the ninth grade schedule and you start to understand credits and we would introduce you to colleges and have people come in and show you the accountability. So by the time you became a ninth grader and the credits start working towards graduation, then you would be in a position to understand what you need to keep your grade point average up. The problem is, is that typically you have students that don't really understand credits and grade point averages until they reach the 11th grade. And by that time, they have a dream college in place that they're never going to reach because of the fact that they messed up the first couple of years. So it was very important for us to start a high school in eighth, grade eight, rather than grade nine, so that our students would have that opportunity, knowing that we were going to serve kids who were already behind. So it gave us an extra year to kind of I hate to use the word fix, but sort of to work to remediate those areas that kids were down so that when they became ninth graders, they could take off. Okay, so with, with the school that, that's focused on journalism and, and media arts, what is the curriculum? What are, what are the skills that they're going to be learning? What are the opportunities that they're going to be have to practice them in the school? You know, it's, it's very clear that we are focusing on writing. So that's a given. The other that we focus on is photojournalism. We work on broadcast journalism. We work on filming, behind the scenes technology, understanding how to work cameras, lighting, how to set up skits and, and props. Also, there's a portion of it that goes with the graphic arts and the graphic design, the production from the, the music and the media that allows sound to come through. We've also added in our program a dance arts program. So we offer ballet, jazz, because we feel like that that's all of a part of the journalism aspect. So when our kids walk away from Richard Wright, they have had a myriad of experiences that circled around what actually makes a journalism piece comes off. We have kids now working on podcasts. So they're built, they have a radio station where we're putting the communications out there. And as they walk away from Richard Wright, they will have a wealth of this information and knowledge to guide them into hopefully a career in journalism or mass communications. So one of the things we've talked about on the podcast in the past is the need for media literacy. This idea that with so much information coming at us in so many different formats and forms, it's easy to be overwhelmed and it's it's difficult to recognize, you know, fake news and disinformation and sources that you can trust. You know, is that part of, of your learning structure? That is absolutely part of our structure. 
I'm glad you asked that question. We looked at doing initially as we were designing the program was to ensure that our kids would have a voice. And what happens is we wanted our students to tell a different story than what's on the news at four, five, and six. And so with that being said, we wanted our kids to understand research and how to actually complete a story appropriately by doing the proper research. And so our kids do a lot of writing, a lot of reading and analyzing information before they actually put it out there. And we were teaching them how to identify fake stories from true stories. Our seniors have to do a a thesis paper and defend it amongst outside experts that would actually sit on a panel and they defend their paper based on research around stories and how do you put things out over a topic around journalism and, and media arts. Again, one of the things that, that the journalism industry has been been sort of dealing with in the last five, ten years is this idea of fake news, this idea of disinformation and, you know, not understanding how, how you kind of trust. So, you know, which sources you can trust. So I, I'm glad to hear that this is something that you guys are mindful of. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, you mentioned the, the senior project. I mean, Traditionally, a lot of people like myself who who went to you know high school and their first exposure was like doing a the school newspaper. And I know there there are other people who worked on the yearbook or they had a a radio program or a, a TV program. You know what type of opportunities are there in the in the school for students to try these different media? Our kids are involved in every aspect from the full exposure. So, for example, we have our, all of our classes are. are based on grade level, so that we will ensure that every student has the opportunity to touch every portion that we have to offer within our curriculum, whether it be behind the scenes, working the lights, or actually sitting at the anchor desk, working with our student newscast. Every kid has a portion. They will touch everything by the time they graduate from Richard Wright Public Charter Schools. The greatness is, is that we also offer clubs. So if it's something that you're really interested in, and let's just say you're taking broadcast journalism the first semester and you're really interested, you can join the newscast, which is a, a club that happens after school. So it's an extracurricular activity as well. So you can begin to not only use what you got in class, but actually get on with the expeditionary part of it and go out and interview folks. Our young people have interviewed folks from Congressman John Lewis, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson, Stacey Abrams. The list is infinite around how they are, the folks that they are having conversations with, Susan Taylor. Part of what we're pushing every student to do is to have the exposure so that they can choose which lane that they would like to be in. So that is happening within our, our program and in our curriculum. So, you know, obviously over the last year, you know, the D.C. public schools have been impacted by the pandemic. And so what what has uh, Richard Wright been doing to sort of maintain the, the level of teaching for your students? You know, I'm excited because we have been pushing our school program is exactly the same. We are still offering extracurricular activities. We have a strong focus where our kids are changing classes. They're doing hands-on experiences. We just moved them to a virtual perspective. We are still doing newscasts. Our foreign language at at Richard Wright is Latin. And so we're still doing projects with Latin-based curriculum and a lot of research that's being involved. So the pandemic, in a way, we've gotten better. 
And so nothing has stopped. Our day starts the same. We have a program called Family Matters in the morning, which we've always had. That is definitely well attended from our students. There's a lot of activities and innovative things that they are doing to keep that piece going. We've also opened up opportunities for students to continue our tutoring that's happening with one another. And so while the virtual world has been challenging in a lot of ways, we were at the forefront from the pandemic. We sort of laid out a scheme of how we could do virtual classes ahead of time, not knowing that a pandemic would come. And so as that happened, it just evolved. And and I think the way that we have handled this as a school body, even down to having our weekly PTA meetings with our parents, virtually we're having those, everything has continued to flourish and to move forward the way that we were doing when we were in the building together. The one thing that we've missed a lot and we've had to work diligently at fixing this is the social aspect of it. So we even have virtual social conversations. Like we we have this thing called Kool-Aid and conversations with Doc. And so it's a time for kids to come together to actually try to socialize from a virtual world. And that has been very successful as well. As we kind of wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, you know, you're, you're a school with a special mission. You're serving the students who, who are interested in journalism and, and media art and, and learning and mastering those skills. What can other educators do, do you think, that may not have these programs, but, you know, can sort of foster an interest in these types of curriculums? First of all, I think every educator can do it. You just have to have the desire and, and the extra will, understanding that, an entity of of education that's going to flourish is not a nine to five job. And so it takes building a strong morale of educators and a strong morale of parents, as well as students to get involved, remaining innovative and being willing to think out of the box. I'm excited with our program because we think out of the box on so many different things that normal is not regular for us. And so being out of the box is what's regular for us. And so I think every school can adopt this. Every individual educator can figure out a way to go 10 times greater than what they can imagine. In the virtual world, it has given you more tools to reach more people. And so even with, with our families now, you, you're able to reach parents who, who normally would couldn't come because they're at work. So now they can be a part of PTA meetings. It just requires you to stretch. And it goes back to having a good staff because we have a staff that we talk on the weekends, after hours and different days just to continue to keep the the juice there to move our students forward and keeping them at the forefront of everything we do. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about having a good educator, somebody who's committed to really serving their children and teaching them. It's so much to say about that. A great educator is priceless, you know, and, and I just like to always shout out educators because without us, nothing would be possible. And, you know, people have given their lives to go support and help others. And I'm really glad to see the country is starting to appreciate the value that educators bring to the table, because communities can't thrive without us. And and we can't thrive without creating great students who are going to go out and be leaders in the community. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place for us to end. Dr. Clark, thanks for coming on on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. Continued good luck with the good work you're doing there at, at Richard Wright. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Emilia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Thanks for listening.